How are we tonight? We're good? It's great to see you. My name is Michael. I am the assistant youth pastor here at Bethlehem Baptist Church. And it is genuinely my pleasure to get to share with you tonight. I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd. I love unpacking the Bible. I love getting to teach the Bible. And so when I say it's my privilege to be up here um, and help you understand and unpack these verses, I genuinely mean it. I'm very excited for what God has in store for us tonight. Who was here last week with Noah? Didn't he do a great job? He did such a good job. Um, So to understand what I'm going to talk about tonight, we really have to go back and look at what Noah talked about last week because it's all connected. You see, um, we're going through this series called Right Side Up, and it's um, Jesus' essentially declaration of the kingdom. If we want to know how to live in this kingdom culture, you see this phrase all through the New Testament to to live as citizens of heaven, to embrace the kingdom of God. And if we want to know what that actually means, we have to turn to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so that's what we're going through. But this thing is so radical to the way that we live. It's so different to the way our culture is that it doesn't feel right. Hence why the series is called Right Side Up. And so... Um, Last week, Noah, um, he shared these passages at the start of Matthew chapter 6, and it pretty much went like this. I'll just give you a quick rundown, quick overview of it. Um, Pretty much Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he's teaching them um, about what it means to live in this kingdom, and it's up on this mountain. And he um, says these phrases. He says, when, um, in regards to generosity, he says, you see the Pharisees and the hypocrites, and when they're generous, they are like this. They go and they... um, Declare it on the street corners, Um, but I tell you that they have received their reward. But when you do it, I want you to do it in secret. You see, he's not saying that generosity was an issue. He's not telling them, don't be generous. He's saying, check your heart when you are being generous. And then he goes on to prayer and he says, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees and the hypocrites who go to the street corners and pray with their loud, long prayers. But when you pray, go go and quiet, go and be hidden. He's not saying that prayer is an issue. He's saying that the heart behind it is what's important. And then he goes on to say about fasting. When you see the hypocrites fasting, they just um, they make themselves look really uncomfortable. He says, but I tell you that they have received their reward. When you go and fast, anoint your face with oil. Make it look like you're all good so that people can get alongside you. This is so important. I think that the reason that he does this is he's addressing the symptoms of a bigger issue. He's addressing the symptoms of a bigger issue. You see, for us, maybe generosity, prayer, and fasting isn't what it is for us. But the reality is we all hold things um, in a prideful way. And that's what he's going to get into in this text. But I just thought I'd start with reading the scripture out of Matthew 13. Jesus says this later on in the Gospel of Matthew. He says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. 
Let's pray together, eh? Um, God, we just welcome you in this place. We are thankful for the Son coming down and purchasing um, our forgiveness on the cross. Lord God, I pray that as I speak tonight and as I share tonight, that your word would truly breathe. Um, God, that you would be glorified and we would come to know you more in a more personal and intimate way. God, that we would live as part of this kingdom, that we would truly be citizens of heaven. Amen. All right. So the reality is, is when we're going to go after the heart, none of us really like that very much. And so I just want to let you know that this is where Jesus is going to go. He's addressed some symptoms and now he's going after the wound. And so I just preemptively let you know that this is going to become quite close to home for some of you. Um, because the reality is, is we treasure things above God all the time. I mean, Jesus knows this. And I love the way Rob shared just before because it's really um, in perfect unity with what I'm going to share tonight. Jesus has to sit on his throne. In fact, he is sitting on his throne. You know, whether we treasure him as Lord or not, Jesus is on the throne. And this is what we're going to go get into tonight. Um, part of the Bible nerd in me wants to point out something really clear before we get into it. I have to read quite a big hunk of scripture, but there's a really important word that I want um, you to really get a hold of. This will change the way that you read the Bible. Um, I promise you, and it's this word, it's therefore. Monica said to me during the week, it's like, what are they there for? And I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, could I have the clicker, Rob? My bad. I was like, my slides aren't changing. Oh, yeah, because I don't have the little thing. Uh, okay, we're all good, we're all good. Um, but it's this word, therefore, and so it's three times in this text, and it really does change the way that we read it. You see, Jesus starts to talk about storing up our treasures in heaven, and then he goes on to talk about anxieties. And I remember sitting with Rob when he first gave me this passage, and I was like, Rob, man, I can talk about storing up our treasures in heaven, or I could talk about anxieties, but I don't see how they go together. And then I was like, well, there's this word, therefore, and that means that in light of this, now this. So they have to go together. So get ready for that. All right, so I'm going to read the scripture, and I just pray um, that you would stay alert to this. Sometimes when um, someone gets up in front of you and starts reading, it's quite easy to just switch off or not follow along. But, man, the, the word of God never returns void. And so let's just trust that God is going to speak to us just simply through the reading of his word tonight. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 now. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, there it is, guys, underline in your Bibles, highlight, whatever. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single day, hour to his life, to a span of life? 
And why are you being anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When you're a youth pastor, you end up hearing some pretty interesting stories from some young kids. I thought I'd share one with you tonight. Um, I was at youth the other night, and I was talking to this one kid in particular who I'd been, to be honest, spending a little bit of time investing in. And you know, when you spend some time investing in someone, you're really hoping to see God move in their life, right? You're not just investing in them so they can be silly. Um, anyway, this kid, he's a character, and... Um, I took him out for a coffee and I was like, man, this is going so well. And we talked about Jesus and we read the Bible together. And, um, and then we even prayed together at the end. I was like, man, I really think God did something in this over this coffee. You know, this is really exciting. And so youth was straight afterwards. We run a youth group here on a Wednesday night. And I was like, I think God's really touched this guy. I'm so excited to see what happens. Anyway, it turns out, um, when the person who was speaking and, and the, when the worship team was playing, he just had his headphones and, um, and didn't listen the whole time. And I was just like, oh, no. And then when I talked to him about it the next week, I said, bro, what, what was that about? You know, we just talked about how important the word of God. And he's like, oh, yeah, I took them out for the prayer. <laughs> and I was just like, bro, you missed the point. Like, why is the prayer more, more holy than, than God's word being spoken or, or God being sung about? He's like, nah, it is. It's all good. And I was like, oh, no, nah, bro, I don't know. I don't know quite if you get it. He's just like, no, nah, it's my opinion. I'm all good. I'm all good. And I was just like, well, your opinion doesn't line up with God's word. So we're going to have a little bit of a different um, opinion here. Um, but the thing that I really want to point out is so often in life, we treasure things um, and hold it above what God wants and what God says and, and who God is. And for this kid, um, the hardness in his heart, it was just simply like, I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe and I honestly just don't care what you say. And so for me, I kind of was a little bit frustrated at this. But then as I began to unpack these scriptures, I was like, man, how often do I see these own attributes in my own life? Where I have a hardness of heart or I treasure things in front of God um, when Jesus deserves to be on the throne and the king of my life. And so this is really what Jesus is getting at tonight. He's not after symptoms anymore. He's after our hearts. And the way that he does this is he begins to ask us some questions, some passive questions. He asks us, he asks us, what rules our hearts? And I love the way he does this, is he doesn't ask, or he doesn't lay out a list of things that rules our hearts and says, you see these things here? Watch out for them because, you know, they can cause you to stumble later on in life. Because what we would have done as human beings is we would have made those a rule book. And so Jesus doesn't do that. He asks us some passive questions. And these are the questions that I want to ask you tonight. And the first question is this. It's what do we value most? 
Jesus says in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I ask you tonight, where is your heart? What things bring you joy? What things do you go to when you need comforting? Where is your heart? I know for me, often when I need comfort or I need, um, am sorrowful or I've had a bad day at work or I'm, I'm in um, a season of celebration, man, I always turn to one thing in all of those moments. And I have to say that it's honestly not Jesus. It's salt and vinegar, thin cut bluebird chips. <laughs> like, they are my favorite chip of all time. But honestly, like, I, it sounds so silly. Like, I appreciate how silly it sounds. But th that's the symptom. I want to undercut it with going to the root of the issue that really what I go to in my time of sorrow and my time of, of needing comfort and my time of joy is I go to comforts. I go home. I put on my fluffy pants, I wrap myself in a blanket, and I crack some chips open, you know? And I feel a little bit better about myself. Jesus is warning us against this, and so let me ask you again, where is your heart? Because Jesus is challenging us and saying, I need to be in it. I need to be what you challenge, uh, you treasure most, sorry. I feel like this is a great quote um, by John Piper. He says this, when the glory of God is the treasure of our lives, we will not lay up treasures on earth, but we will spend them on the spread of his glory. We will not covet, but overflow with liberality. We will not crave the praise of men, but forget ourselves in praising God. We will not be mastered by sinful or sensual pleasures, but sever their root by the power of a superior promise. We will, not be, we will not nurse a wounded ego or cherish a grudge or nurture a vengeful spirit, but will hand over our cause to God and bless those who hate us. Every sin flows from the failure to treasure the glory of God above all things. Let me ask you again, where is your heart? What do you treasure? Jesus goes on to ask us another question. He says, what do our actions show? He says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, when I first read this, I was like, what the heck is Jesus talking about? But what he's saying is, firstly, we need to just think about ourselves and we go, where is our heart? Are we treasuring Jesus as king? But the second thing that we can go to is we can look at our actions and we can say, what do my actions say about what I value most? You see, we can think that we value Jesus and our actions say a completely different story. What would your coworkers say you value most? What would your friends say that you value most? What would your family say that you value most? Jesus says this later on in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where is your heart? What do you treasure most? Jesus is not giving us a list, but he is prompting and prodding at our hearts going, it needs to be me. Where am I? He asks us one more question. What or who is our master? He 
He says this, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate one or love the other. He will either be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I think this is a very interesting thing because this is the first time Jesus lists something that we can treasure more than him. And so we have to ask ourselves that question, is money a bad thing? I think it's a really important question to ask ourselves in New Zealand because we seem to have a lot of it. Um, I think the answer is no. Jesus says that money is the root of all kinds of evil, but money itself is not evil. Um, but once again, we have to ask ourselves, do we have a heart of generosity? Are we willing to help our neighbor? Are we willing to help our friend? Are we willing to help um, push on and pursue the kingdom of God with our finances? And if the answer is no, then I think that we have a treasure that's not Jesus. I knew this guy once who um, was a very wealthy businessman and he um, became a Christian later on in his life. Um, and because he didn't have these disciplines when he was um, financially less, I don't know, you guys get what I'm saying? He didn't have as much money. Um, he really struggled to be generous later on in his life because he didn't have these disciplines in place. What is your master? Um, you'll notice that I've crossed out money um, there because the Hebrew word there is actually mammonai, um, which can be riches. Um, it can be replaced as treasure. You cannot serve God and treasures. But I, I like this. You cannot serve things. Um, you cannot serve God and things personal to you or opposed to the heart of God. We cannot serve sins and treasure Jesus as Lord. It just doesn't go together. Jesus says you'll either love one or hate one. So again, I ask you, where is your heart? How many of you guys have been to Rainbow's End? <laughs> Mana went for his birthday the other day. <laughs> he loved it. No, he didn't. It's a joke. Um, I went to um, Rainbow's End probably a year and a half ago with some friends and some family. And um, man, I hate theme parks. Like, the fact that I don't like Rainbow Zen says something, because Rainbow Zen is, like, less on the scale of exciting theme parks. Like, I just can't do it. Like, get me on the log flume, I'm pumped about it. Like, <laughs> get me down that slide with some splashes, I'm all in. You know, get me on Gold Rush. Oh, now we're talking some fun times. But get me away from that fearful, well, the stratosphere, oh, my goodness. Um, anyway, my little brother, he's pretty manipulative. And... um. He comes in, and when we walk in the gate, he, he grabs onto me and goes, hey, you know I'm your brother, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He goes, I'd really like to go on the fearful with you. <laughs> and I was just like, there is no way, bro, that I'm going on the fearful. Anyway, I think that this passage is a lot like me and Rainbow's End. Or maybe some of you guys like Rainbow's End. It's a confession time. Anyone scared? Just me. Okay. Um, we can see this idea of treasuring Jesus as Lord and we can look at it and we can go, wow, that's incredible. I can see the life that can come from that. I want Jesus to be king. I want Jesus to be on the throne. I know that the roller coaster is safe. I know that no one's ever died on it. But then when we get in the line and actually go to commit ourselves to it, we freak out and we go, mm, there's something not right about this. 
You see, this is why Jesus describes this as the kingdom of heaven, that this is us, that we have to be citizens of something bigger and better than us because something in us, when we commit to this idea of Jesus as Lord, when we commit to this idea of the kingdom of heaven, something in us goes, mm, nope, I don't like that. I want my stuff. I want my things. I want my money. I want whatever, insert thing here. I want my career, you know? Um, and so Jesus does this really incredible thing, knowing that this anxiety is going to stir, uh, stir up in us. You know, if we actually relied on Jesus for our food, our clothing, and our, and our water, man, we'd be living by some radical faith, but that stirs up an anxiety in us, let's be real, and, and that's not a bad thing. And so I love that Jesus says this. He says, therefore, meaning in light of you treasuring me as Lord, as li in light of you seeing me as king, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about the body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and your body more than clothing? See, yes, Jesus as king and Jesus as Lord, but Jesus is also the comforter. Jesus is also the servant. Jesus is also the provider. And so we appeal to this Jesus holistically, not just one version of him. He then gives us some examples from nature, which I find so encouraging to bolster our faith and be reminded of how good he truly is. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither reap nor sow nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father knows them and looks after them. How much more does he know you? Man, when we're having moments of anxiety and worry, all we have to do is look at the birds. And remember that our God loves us more than them. He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and neither toil nor spin. Man, the flowers aren't worried about anything. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He's saying that if I can provide clothing and beauty to a flower, how much more can I provide for you? He goes on to say, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive tomorrow, alive today, and tomorrow will be thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. He then continues to say, um, sorry, that one. He then continues to say, Therefore, so now in light of all of these things that I've just talked about, in light of you treasuring me as Lord, in light of me coming and comforting your anxieties, he says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. What do you think it looks like to seek the kingdom of God in your life? What does it look like to seek the kingdom of God in your workplace, amongst your friends, in your family? Man, it looks radically different for all of us, but it actually kind of looks the same. See, we love Jesus. We promote Jesus. We know the gospel when we point people to the cross. And all these things will be added to you. God knows us and loves us and cares for us. Therefore, final therefore, so in light of everything that's been said tonight, he says this as a summary statement. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
How many people here and here tonight are planners? How many people have a calendar boasting forward like a year in advance? How many people have a calendar that's not even going a day in advance? Yeah, love it. Love the honesty. I know for some people they like to, and I think something in all of us actually does like to do it. We like to plan holidays. We like to plan ahead. We like to think about how scenarios are going to work out in our head. Jesus is saying if we really want to live out this kingdom culture, it's a daily exercise. It's a daily exercise to surrender our anxieties and our worries at the foot of the cross. It's a daily exercise to repent and put Jesus back on the throne. This is not something we can do on a Sunday morning and expect it to go through the whole week. Jesus is saying every day, this is something that you need to do. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, but be thinking about today. I love there's this verse in Lamentations and it says, his mercies are new every morning. Hebrews 3 verse 13 says this, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Can I ask you a question? How often do you get around your brothers and sisters in Christ to be encouraged daily? To not worry about tomorrow's issues, but to worry about today's issues, to have prayer. Um, There's another verse here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a daily exercise. This is not something that we do once and think it's one and done. God, I've committed this thing to you and now it's over. I've um, repented of the sin and now I'm done with it. God, I need this blessing. So I'm going to ask you once and now it's over. We need to be um, transformed by the renewing of our mind daily daily in his word, daily in communion with God. And I love how it finishes. So then you will be able to test and approve what's God, what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. This is God's plan for us, to walk in freedom, to treasure him as king, to know his good and perfect and pleasing will, but it's a daily exercise. Something that I've been pretty um, challenged by lately is when you surround yourself with people that are similar to you, especially in a church environment, you get this false idea in your head that you're actually a pretty good person. This is something I know that I definitely struggle with. And so, you know, when we line ourselves up with something like the Ten Commandments, for example, you know, I, I go, well, I didn't lie today. I didn't cheat today. Um, I love my wife today. Um, I honored my mother and father today. You know, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job today compared to everyone else. Um, it's something that I've been challenged by immensely over the last little while is that the first and most important commandment is this, that you shall have no other gods before me. God said this right back in Exodus when he gave the law to Moses, and Jesus reiterates it here in Matthew 6, that we need to treasure Jesus is Lord, and when we do that, he will be glorified and we will be satisfied. Uh, Matthew 13, verse uh, 44 to 46 says this, that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he sells all that he has and buys that field. Let's pray together. Um, God, you see us and you know us. God, we just thank you that your mercies are new every single morning. And so, God, I pray that as we leave this place together, that we would not leave um, without doing business with you tonight. 
Um, God, we know that you want to be the king of our lives and the treasure of our hearts. And so, God, I pray that truly tonight something in us would shift through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would delight in you, that we would treasure you, that we would value you, that you would truly be the preference of our heart. Lord God, change us. Allow us to be these citizens of heaven, God. Allow us to live in this kingdom culture. Through your beautiful and powerful name we pray. Amen.